Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Good morning. Great to see everybody this morning. Welcome to everyone who's watching online and on Spectrum Cable. We're certainly glad that you are with us today. Uh, uh, Appreciate Josh speaking last week. Josh preached such a powerful sermon ending our Malachi series that he actually broke the microphone. You know, that's, that's a pretty powerful sermon when the mic can't even stay up with you uh, when you're there. So appreciate Josh doing that. And like you said, we're starting that new sermon series. You're going to hear a lot more about it, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, last week, uh, I had the opportunity uh, to go to Florida for Dawn's mom and dad's 50th wedding anniversary. Uh, Dawn, of course, from Florida. And then we uh, went on a cruise with her uh, sister and brother-in-law just uh, right after the, the anniversary. But it was a pretty hectic way on the way down there. So we start off, you know, we drive. It's a long way drive down to Florida. It rains the entire way. I mean, it's raining cats and dogs. And that's dangerous when you've got cats and dogs coming out of the air at your car and everything, you know. But, but you know, it just rained nonstop almost the entire way down to Florida, adding to the stress, adding to the anxiety and all that. We get there. you got to get everything ready for the 50th anniversary celebration. They have their 50th wedding anniversary Uh, The very next morning, we take off on the cruise, and uh, we start off on the cruise. We get to Cozumel, and we spend the entire day out in the sun and the fun and snorkeling and everything else. Uh, We go to the show at night. I eat more food than I've eaten in a month, and then I lay down to go to bed, and I am exhausted. I've got heat stroke. I'm drained. uh, I'm just tired in general, and that's the night that the teenagers decided to run down the hall all night long, slamming doors. Uh, as they're doing that. And so every time I would go to sleep out here, teenagers screaming and a door slamming. I'm just assuming they were teenagers. And uh, uh, all, all that going on. And I would wake up and I'd go, oh, those stupid kids. And I'd fall back to sleep. And then one time I heard, okay, the door again. I thought, oh, no, those stupid teenagers. And I kind of opened my eyes, three-fourths of sleep, you know, exhausted. And I see a figure walking towards the bed. And I know someone has broken into our room. And so half asleep, I pivot on the bed and like a ninja, brace my arms, fly out of the bed, kicking and screaming, no! Now, I wasn't quite a ninja because when I pushed off, I just fell straight down onto the ground. And I hear my wife go, what are you doing? Have you gone crazy? And I said, oh, you're just going to the bathroom there. But uh, my back hurts now, and and I've had a pretty rough shock on the floor uh, that met me there. So my ninja abilities weren't quite what I thought that they were. Now, there's several reasons that could have happened. I might be insane. Uh, That's one. Or maybe it happened just because I was so tired that I wasn't able to properly uh, function and process all that was going on that night. You ever been that way before? Tired? Exhausted? Exhausted? in a constant state of hurry, 
that may just describe this morning anybody have that just trying to get to church today you know uh you know just you're just lucky to get here you know uh dawn and i used to talk about the the fact you know we'd get in the car the kids would be yelling and screaming uh we'd be threatening each other's lives all the way to church and then you get out of the van at church and everybody's nice and and uh, acting like we're the perfect christians and we get out and everything well life seems to have taken on this constant struggle of being tired, exhausted, and constantly in a hurry. And it's dragging us down, it's endangering our lives health-wise, and it's even taking us away from God. And so we're starting a new sermon series, it's going to be six weeks long, we're beginning it today, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's going to also include Bible studies that go along. We'll have Bible studies both hours on Sunday morning uh, on this. We'll also have Bible study on Wednesday nights uh, that will go along if you you can't come on Sunday. Uh, We're going to have uh, online devotions that you can go to and go through uh, your devotions. We're going to have a Saturday retreat. We're going to have desert days during the week. Uh, A lot of opportunities uh, for you to be able uh, to participate and to really look at life and what life is about And as we sometimes say, to stop and smell the roses and not just hurry through life. Because that's not the way God intended for it to be at all. Our scripture passage today is one we've looked at earlier, really just about six months ago or so. It's from 1 Kings chapter 19. And it's a story from the life of Elijah. And uh, when our scripture begins, uh, Elijah has had a fairly hectic time. Three years earlier, Elijah had prophesied because Israel was so evil that God was going to bring a drought on the country. And for three years, that drought has taken place. And uh, during that time, King Ahab, who is a very wicked king, King Ahab has been searching for Elijah. He's been trying to arrest Elijah. When suddenly uh, Elijah appears out of nowhere, he calls for a contest on Mount Carmel between he and the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal against Elijah. Uh, Elijah says, let's put some wood out, call on our gods, and whoever brings down fire out of heaven, that'll be the true God. The 450 prophets of Baal try to do that all day long. And finally, when the evening sacrifice comes, it's Elijah's turn. Now, you've got to figure, after three years of running and hiding, after suddenly this all day long, uh, Elijah has to be tired. And so he puts it down, he pours water over the sacrifice, he calls upon God, fire comes down out of heaven and consumes the sacrifice. The people are amazed, they say the Lord is the true God, and Elijah orders them to kill the prophets of Baal, and they are killed. Elijah then climbs back up Mount Carmel, as if it hadn't been a long enough day, and he prays. Seven times he prays and asks his his, uh, aide to go look and see if there's rain. And then finally he says, I see a real small rain cloud. Elijah climbs all the way back down Mount Carmel, runs uh, all the way down uh, into the town uh, as he's doing so, and the rain begins to pour down. Three years, tired, exhausted, going nonstop, praying intensely, climbing up and down mountains, all in one day, tired mentally and physically. Let's look at 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 4. 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 4. It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all of the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. 
Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. And so our scripture here begins, and we see Elijah is just completely exhausted. But then something happens. King Ahab goes home, tells his wife Jezebel, who is even more wicked than him, and Jezebel, who is a strong worshiper of Baal, becomes incensed. And she sends word to Elijah, if you're not dead by tomorrow, I'll be dead because I'm going to do everything I can to kill you. And so if the queen has told you, I'm going to do everything in my power to kill you by tomorrow night, you're probably going to be a little bit afraid. And we're told that's what Elijah was. He was afraid. Even though he knew the power of God, even though he had just seen God work, he's tired, he's exhausted mentally and physically. Now his life has been threatened, and so we're told he runs. At some point during the run, he tells his, his servant to stay behind, either because he wanted to protect him or because he was slowing him down. But he takes off running, and he goes into the wilderness. Now, why is he going to the wilderness? He goes into the wilderness because he wants to get somewhere where he thinks they won't be able to find him. But as he goes through the wilderness, he's tired, he's exhausted mentally, physically, and there's a solitary broom tree. Now, what's a solitary broom tree look like in the wilderness? Here's a, a solitary broom tree in Israel right now. As you can literally see, there's nothing around. There's not even grass around, yet there's this tree. And uh, so that's exactly what Elijah saw. Nothing around anywhere, but there's a tree like that. So he crawls under the tree, he gets a little bit of shade, and he just passes out. He collapses under the tree. And then what he prays to God is really interesting. I've had enough. Can't take it anymore. I, I, I have nothing left. There's, just, there's no resources that I have. I'm completely exhausted. The tank is completely emptied. And then he just prays this. I wish I was dead. If this is life, if this is what i got to do, I'd rather be dead than have to go through this. And then he says, I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he collapses under the broom tree. Wow. This great prophet of God. So close to God, he's one of only two people that will ever live that will never die physically. And yet here's this prophet, physically, mentally exhausted. I've had enough. And he just collapses. He's got what scientists today call hurry sickness. Hurry sickness is actually something that has been diagnosed. The phrase came up in 1974, two cardiologists named Friedman and Rossiman. And Friedman and Rossiman uh, were trying to figure something out. They had a group of patients, most of them type A type people, and these group of patients had no blockages in their arteries at all. They had no classic heart disease, and yet they were having heart attacks and suffering the exact same symptoms that people that were having heart attacks were having, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. What's causing this? Why are people without any blockages having heart attacks? And they finally came up after, after doing a lot of research that what was happening is these, the stress in these people's lives, their nonstop work and hurry had caused them to literally run their heart into having a, a, a basically a seizure in the heart itself. And so they called it hurry sickness. Think about hurry sickness. It's something that we probably all have. As a matter of fact, scientists today say 82% of the people in the United States would be diagnosed with hurry sickness. 
18%. And the other 18% are sleeping on the couch all day. And, you know, they're watching Netflix or something, you know. But everybody else is rushed to actually becoming sick with hurry. So think about it this way. You, you get up early in the morning. You've got to get to work. You've got an important meeting. But you have to get the kids ready. So you get the, you get the kids ready. The kids fight the whole time you're getting them ready. They don't want to get ready. Then you have to get yourself ready. Then you're rushing the kids to school. You get halfway to school, and one of the kids say, Oh, I forgot my homework. And you go, Oh, my goodness. You have to turn around. I'm going to be late for my meeting. You go. You get the kids' homework. You get to school. You take off. And suddenly, because of that 15 minutes that you lost, now you're in all of this traffic, and you're fighting the traffic, and, and you're, you're harried, and you're, you're getting more and more upset and you finally get there and you rush into your meeting and as soon as you sit down your phone buzzes and you say you're missing a conference call you found you forgot you had double booked and you said oh my goodness and you have to run uh, to your conference call you're so behind you eat lunch at your desk with something unhealthy from the machine you finally get off work you fight traffic again all the way home you get home and what do you do when you get home then you have to cook dinner then you have to try to get the kids to do their homework then you have to get the kids to bed and then finally you're completely exhausted and you just want to go to sleep but you can't sleep because you're too tired to sleep and so you just scroll on your telephone over and over again until finally you collapse and the next morning starts and it begins all over again and the problem with hurry sickness is that it makes you more anxious it makes you less productive It makes you tired, grumpy, discouraged, easily irritable, and it causes real health problems. And again, 82% of people in the United States are suffering from it. Is that you this morning? Is life going by so fast that you constantly feel behind? Is everything you do seem to be multitasking? You're doing two things at once? Do you feel tired all the time? Are you frustrated? Are you easily bored? If you have to wait in a line for five minutes at Walmart, are you about ready to scream? I can't believe this. There's two people ahead of me. I'm going to go to the next line where there's only one person and take longer to get there. No, that's how I am. If we go to a restaurant and they say 15-minute wait, I'll say, I'm not waiting 15 minutes. Let's drive 30 minutes to the next restaurant. You know, there's no way I'm going to do this. You know, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Uh, as a matter of fact, true story. Dawn and I are going through Nashville the other day, uh, coming home, and Dawn's driving, and I'm looking at the GPS, and I said, well, it's Nashville. It's red all the way through. There's nothing but traffic, but if we go 15 minutes longer, there's, there's no uh, traffic at all. And Dawn says, why would I go 15 minutes longer? And I said, because there's no traffic. You know, come on, think about it uh, for a second. Do you pay extra uh, uh, on, your, on your services for television uh, so you don't have to watch commercials because you just can't stand uh, to be distracted for two minutes with commercials? Are you so busy you never catch up? Do you, do you say all the time, if I just had a few more hours in the day, Do you go to bed tired all the time? When you go to bed, can you not sleep because you're too tired and you can't turn your mind off? Then you probably have hurry sickness. Corey Ten Boom, the the great individual who survived the Nazi prison camps, said this, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. It's just as effective. John Ortberg said this, hurry is the real enemy of our spiritual life. 
In 2000, the average attention span of the individual was 12 seconds. Today, it's 8 seconds. The average attention span of the goldfish is 9 seconds. We're losing to goldfish. That's how busy that we have gotten. Do you know that 20 years before that, the average attention span of the person uh, back in the 1970s and 80s was 15 seconds. So over the last 40, 50 years, we've gone from a 15-second attention span to an 8-second attention span because we're so overworked, so tired, so in a hurry, we never slow down to think, and life is constantly, perpetually in motion. We're going to talk about all this more as we get into this series. So here's Elijah. He's passed out under the broom tree. He's collapsed. And the next thing we see is this. When, even though hurry and, and being hectic is destroying our lives, God wants to rejuvenate us. God doesn't want you to live that way. God wants you to have a different way, a better way, and he wants to, to rejuvenate you. So Elijah's exhausted, anxious, afraid, stressed, and passes out under a broom tree. Look at verses 5 and 6. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. And he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. So how does God react when this great prophet Elijah says, I'm tired. I can't take it anymore. I don't want to do this. I wish I was dead. How does God react to that? Does God say, what's wrong with you, Elijah? Don't you remember one day ago I brought fire down out of heaven and, and, and did unbelievable miracles? And everybody said, how great is God? For three years I have protected you and given you food and shelter and kept you from Ahab who was trying to kill you. You know my power and glory. And now you're wimping out and crying under a broom tree and saying, I wish I was dead. Oh, ye of little faith. Is that what God says to Elijah? Not at all. And this is the encouraging thing for us to do. Here is Elijah, passed out, exhausted, wishing he was dead. And what does God do? He sends an angel to minister to him. And we're told the angel wakes Elijah up. And you know what the angel says to him? Hey, look, made lunch. Have something to eat. Then go back and take a nap. That's what he does. There's some fresh baked bread. There's some, some cool water. Elijah eats and drinks, feels stronger. And then the angel says, take a nap. Then he wakes him up a second time. And the second time he says, hey, look, it's dinner. Get something to eat. Go back. Take a nap. Do you know that sometimes the most spiritual thing you will ever do is take a nap? As a matter of fact, when you go home today, you can tell your spouse, I'm doing what Pastor Chip said. I'm doing something spiritual. I'm going to eat a lot of food and take a nap. Just like my old blue tick hound. You like to lay around in the shade. That's Charlie Daniels band for those of you who, who weren't quite, quite up with that for a second. And so... That's what he does. God isn't condemning him. He's saying, hey, you just need some rest. 
And you see, the thing is this. God knows that sometimes we're burning that candle at both ends, and it's hurting us, not helping us. And God isn't interested in condemning you, and God's not interested in punishing you. What God wants is to make your life better. What God wants is for your life to be lived at a higher level. And so if what you're doing is burning the candle at both ends, then what you're going to see is pretty soon that candle is going to go out in twice the time. And so what God says is, so what you need to do is rest and eat and just take a little time off. And so that's exactly what he does with Elijah in our scripture passage. For the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about adjusting the pace of our lives, slowing down, enjoying life, smelling the roses. Next week, I'm going to make the case on why we need to live an unhurried life. And the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at four biblical things that we need to do to slow down and live life at the pace God wants us to live it at. You see, God wants your life lived at the highest level possible. He wants you to experience life not blow through it at 100 miles an hour until you pass out under a broom tree. And Elijah's first step in that happening was a meal and a nap. God needed him to rest up before he could be any use. And that brings us to the last thing we see in our scripture passage. The world isn't going to slow down, so you have to be prepared to meet it. The world isn't going to slow down, so you have to be prepared to understand what you need to be doing in a world that's constantly in motion. Look at verses 7 and 8 of 1 Kings chapter 19. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. Now verse 7 is really interesting. So the angel wakes Elijah back up and he says, Okay, eat some more, get some more strength, because if you don't, the journey ahead will be too much for you. And what we're going to find over the next five weeks is that if we just blow through life and burn the candle at most ends, the journey of life will be too much for you. It will make you sick, it will make you tired, it will make you grumpy, and it will lower the standard of your life. And so we have to have ways of preparing ourselves to meet a world that isn't going to slow down. And we're going to look at all the different ways that we can do that over the next few weeks. Then in verse 8, he tells Elijah, get up, eat and drink. And he was strengthened by that food, and he was able to travel 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horab, the mountain of God. When we follow godly principles and the pace and style of life God wants us to have, then we're going to be able to get through life the way that God wants us to get through it. So what do we do? Over the next few weeks, here are some of the suggestions I would have. Number one, commit yourself to eliminate hurry in your life. Have a prayer right now. Lord, this isn't, this isn't a positive in my life. Uh, what we're going to see next week is that hurry is the exact opposite of every one of the fruits of the Spirit. Every single fruit of the Spirit is destroyed by hurry. So commit yourself today to saying, no, I'm going to eliminate hurry in my life. I'm going to begin to live at a godly pace. Number two, commit yourself to being here on Sunday mornings. Make this a priority. 
Right now, uh, coming back from COVID, uh, a regular attender is somebody who attends church one out of four Sundays. You know, so, you know, that, that we're trying to get back from COVID. Make this a priority. I want this in my life, and I'm going to be here. Number three, we're going to have these small groups. Josh is going to talk about them in a second. Uh, and these small, commit to being in a small group where you're going to study this even in more detail. Uh, we have a book that we're going to be going through, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. If you were a guest here today, if you will fill out your, your visitor's card, your guest card, and bring it to me, because I'm a generous person, I'm going to give you one of these books. Okay, so you fill out a guest card, you give this to me, I will give you one of the books we're going to be using in our Bible study when you're there. If you're already a member, renounce your membership, sign up again, and I will give you one of these books. And then you'll be able uh, to have that as you go on. Hey, whatever works, you know, whatever, whatever works. Uh, commit yourself to being, though, in one of those small groups. And then take advantage of some of the special things that we're going to have with our retreat, the desert days, and the devotions. We rush through life, and it doesn't get us where we want to be. Bella Hadid is one of the most famous supermodels in the entire world. She's only 25 years old. She's a multimillionaire. Uh, she's constantly jet-setting around the world. Uh, she's, the, she's one of the few people in the world, one of the few supermodels, that if she walks out the door, there's 100 photographers wherever she goes. She can never step out the door without people taking her picture under constant pressure. Here's a picture of Bella Hadid from Vogue magazine. Uh, everybody looks at her and says, wow, that's the life that I want. You know, uh, beautiful, famous, rich. I want to be like Bella Hadid. This past November, Bella Hadid put these pictures on Instagram. It's pictures of her crying in the morning and crying at night. And this is how she captioned these pictures. I know everyone thinks my life is perfect. This is pretty much my every day and my every night for three or four years now. Hashtag the real me. How sad to have everything in life and to be going at such a pace and under such pressure that you wake up crying and you go to bed crying it has to be miserable to just pass out under a broom tree. God wants more for that in your life. He wants your life lived at a higher and better level and at a different pace. Commit yourself today to getting it. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to challenge us as it challenged Elijah to realize that we just can't go on burning that candle at both ends, that eventually we're going to pass out under that broom tree. Father, give us the courage to say we're going to live a different life, a better life in you. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.